Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. In 1977, the Yacht Rock band Player had a massive hit with Baby Come Back. With a chorus that immediately gets stuck in your head, the song has remained in pop culture for over 40 years, appearing constantly on TV shows, movies, and commercials. This week, we're joined by Punchline manager Jim Legrando to discuss why this is one of his favorite songs of all time, and if Player deserved more play or not. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Jim, were you being hyperbolic when you said that Baby Come Back is your favorite song? Is this literally your favorite song? Well, it's not literally my favorite song of all time. My favorite song of all time is Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys. So that's my number one favorite song. This is my absolute favorite Yacht Rock song. Now, the last time I was fortunate enough to be a guest, you asked me if Jerry Rafferty was my favorite Yacht Rock song ever, oh, which okay. is not the case. <laughs> Baker Street, you thought, was my number one. It's not. It is Baby Come Back. Right. The most ultimate of all Yacht Rock jams. I once read that Chris Caraba's favorite song is also Wouldn't It Be Nice. So you have that in common with Chris Caraba. 
you know, first thing I wanted to talk about with you when it comes to this song is the term yacht rock. I believe that the term yacht rock was meant to be pejorative. It was meant to have a sort of negative connotation to it, making fun of it. But do the artists that are now considered yacht rock embrace it? Do you know? Or Well, so without knowing specifically as being a yacht rock artist or representing one, absolutely. And why is because in my research for player, I noted that they have done at least three yacht rock cruises with other bands like Ambrosia and, and yeah. Ace and all the, <laughs> and all the, the super hits of the, uh, the smooth sailing hits of the seventies out there doing it. So clearly it's gone from a negative thing to a let's cash in on that positive. Right. And I would say that players baby come back is one of the quintessential yacht rock songs, probably one of the top five most well-known in that recently invented genre of music. Well, I, w- I, I should hope so. And I would personally think so, but that's actually a great question because, you know, maybe the audience is going to let us know with like the comments and whatnot of really how well-known this is. I mean, I wonder if it's one of those things that when you hear it, if it's like, oh yeah, I remember that from some time or like, oh, absolutely. Or Maybe it's just a hidden gem for folks. The ones that come to mind are obviously What a Fool Believes, which right. I think is the ultimate of the ultimate yacht rock songs. But also, for me personally, goes way beyond, you know, negative sort of connotation that we get with yacht rock. I love that song. Right. Also, the songs that actually kind of talk about sailing and things like Christopher Cross Sailing, I think would be an ultimate yacht rock song. And that um, is absolutely an ultimate yacht rock song. It's got to yeah. be. I was going to ask you, Ben, what do you think? So What a Fool Believes, I would say that's my number two Yacht Rock song. What else do you think is on the summit of smooth? So if the player's um, at the top and we got, well, we're vying for the top with uh, Michael McDonald and the dudes. It's funny because I think that the Yacht Rock, that term has expanded and expanded and included more things in it. It's like anything else, man. It's like that term emo was for bands like, I don't know, Texas is the reason and jets right. to Brazil and stuff in the nineties. And now mm-hmm. emo means like fallout boy, <laughs> you know, it's like that term just got so like loosely thrown around. And I kind of feel like yacht rocks getting the, this way because in my research, I saw that even Whoa. Michael Jackson thriller is considered under that umbrella, which seems ridiculous. Did you say the thriller is under the umbrella of, of emo? <laughs> no, 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 under yacht rock. Thriller is definitely my favorite emo album, but it is surprising <laughs> That in my research that it fell under the umbrella of Yacht Rock, which seems kind of ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but... I would say that that is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you, know, I, yeah. you know, I didn't get elected to the panel of judges of Yacht Rock, but I would have to strike that from the Yacht Rock. Well, canon. here we can kind of decide on this. This is according to Matt Collier of All Music. In 2014, he identified the key defining rules of the genre. And I found this on Wikipedia, obviously. <laughs> but... We just got to think that these are for anyone who's listening, who doesn't really know about Yacht Rock that much. Here are some of the key points of it is, first of all, keep it smooth, even when it grooves with more emphasis on the melody than on the beat. Never lose the smooth, man. That's that's what you need. Very smooth. The second point, keep the emotions light, even when the sentiment turns sad, as is so often the case in the world of sensitive yacht rocks, man, that's a hard one to say. Uh, <laughs> nice. But keep the emotions light, which, yeah, 
it does seem like there's a lot of heavy emotions in these songs, but there are a lot of times really funny in a way. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times I see the subject matter being like well-off white men of the eighties being stressed about things that they themselves did wrong. <laughs> you know, a lot of times they aren't the ones who were wronged. A lot of times they are the ones doing the wrong and then asking for the apology. That's what I've noticed. Anyway. Right, right, right. It's a real, like, I don't know. It's, it's certainly, Yacht Rock is like soft rock. Perhaps it's like the live, laugh, love man- mantra of, of music and the way that there's not a lot of, like, serious shredding or whatnot that happens with any of the songs. Although... Right potentially there could be an argument made that the reason that bands like Van Halen were incredibly successful is because they took the smooth of Yacht Rock and ripped it up with Eddie Van Halen because they were produced by Ted Templeman, who did the Doobie Brothers. And it was almost like he had to like do it in secret because they didn't understand why he would want to do this like fucking kick-ass party band just like uh, as a producer and then you know the rest is history yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of elements about this genre of music which okay so we call it yacht rock but what were they calling it at the time you know what were they calling themselves that's a great question because like i would assume it was soft rock but of course we look at it all in the lens of it all happened before we existed so we weren't really like living it at the time but like you know, when I was looking at the player stuff, they were they were considered an arena rock band. And like, I, I don't know, that doesn't sound arena rock to me. But I think yeah. it, it certainly is a term that was that happened over time. Like, yeah, what was what was Kenny Loggins referring to himself as at the time? I would only guess rock and roll. Like we're a rock and roll <laughs> right. band. And that's all there is to it. I highly doubt anyone's referring to themselves as soft rock. No one wants to come off so wimpy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right, like, right. Well, I'm yeah. sure, you know, player sounds very soft rock to us, but I'm sure they thought they were fucking rocking, man. <laughs> I, I'm I'm absolutely positive they thought that. Well, I mean, I, you know, there was no doubt that there was some rocking. I mean, if you listen to, to the songs, there's a couple that have some real, I mean, even Baby Come Back has some insane, like, solo guitar work that sounds great and some other ones too. But yeah, I mean, it's, it didn't sound like Led Zeppelin, that's for sure. People weren't moshing to it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There was, no, there was no stage diving going on at the player show. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> hey, another one of these main points uh, that Matt Collier from All Music made about Yacht Rock, the third one, is always keep it catchy no matter how modest or deeply buried in the track list the tune happens to be. So, <laughs> so take that nice. as you will. You know, the thing that I noticed while diving into the player catalog, which is quite a few albums, you know, this Baby Come Back, I believe, was from their debut self-titled album. Right. Um, but but I noticed there is there is a formula there, man. And that formula is smooth verses. And then the chorus comes and it is Harmony City. <laughs> it is like right. every song is just over the top produced crazy harmonies the whole time. Like that is right. the formula for this band. And... Kind of for the genre, you know? Yeah, they did not disappoint it, I think, on this on this debut album with this with this track on it. Kind of like marching through the, the history of player as we ultimately try to answer that question, you know, that the podcast presumes for, for each song, right? But so mm-hmm. it's like you kinda have to know where player began to find out where they ended up and it's all I was surprised. Like such such a whirlwind, right? Okay, so the band is comprised of, of four guys, but it started out with this guy Peter Beckett, who was an Englishman who lived in Los Angeles. And he went to a party and met J.C. Crowley. So I'm assuming this is like the 70s Los Angeles 
it's probably like the weather's really nice. Everybody's wearing polyester. You know, Coke still had actual sugar in it. Kids were right. buying beer. <laughs> you know, let me, let me. I, I, I want to hear the rest of the story, but let me, let me, let me put one little back piece about Peter in here. Peter, yeah. not only is not only is he an Englishman, he's also from Liverpool and was inspired to play, start playing music because he went and saw the Beatles play in Liverpool. Oh wow! So little little background on Peter. He's not just an Englishman. He's a Beatles influenced from the same city as them musician. I had no idea he was even English, but So you think proceed. he was like hanging in the corner of the Cavern Club and he like saw That's saw where he them. saw him. That's where he saw them. That rules. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, that's wow. So okay, so they're at a party and they decide to start this band and they started with a guy from a band, The Grassroots. Now, this is a little sidebar, no talk about player, but are you familiar with The Grassroots, Chris? I am not. I'm familiar with the roots, not the grassroots. Okay, so the grassroots are a band from the '60s that basically existed because there was like a songwriting team of guys, and they had a label that was like, "Let's just manufacture a band and put these songs that are good out." And then there was a performing group that would go out and play as the grassroots, but it was so like the the music was made by the Wrecking Crew. So I'm sure you've heard of the Wrecking Crew, right? So it's like the the, the studio musicians that made the Beach Boys records and all the stuff that was like the amazing guitar players and stuff that would make this music that wasn't actually the band. Creed from The Office was the lead singer of the band that was out on the road. So when the grassroots had all their hits and they had like three major hits, like Let's Live for Today. Do you know that song? It's like, before today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Creed from The Office was the guy who had to go out on the road and perform all that. And they had all these like hits and then he was like so upset Creed because like they wrote and were like musicians, but didn't get to perform their own songs in the studio, didn't get to play stuff they wrote. They just had to do what they were told to do. So they had a particularly bad show and he got super drunk and they fired him. And that was the end of Creed from the grassroots. Wow. <laughs> but anyway, so that's, this guy, this band wild. that gets together with dudes in, in player, they were like, we should play some songs. And they were playing some songs and then uh, they didn't, they were about to put a single out. And uh, when I was reading it on, on their Wikipedia that they like kicked the grassroots guy out and it was written as he was aced out of the band, which made me wonder if that guy wrote it himself in the Wikipedia entry to say that he was aced out. <laughs> they were signed to this label that then dissolved. They were like, well, we could probably use these two guys and get them on another deal. And the guys that ran the label got that together. So Peter and JC teamed up with these other guys, Ron and John. That's right. How could I have forgotten that? John, who <laughs> plays the drums, maracas, and congas. <laughs> right. So, 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 right. So, yeah. So they got, so that's when, that's when Player was born because play, they were formed out of the ashes of whatever this former band was. And so some of those songs ended up here on this first record, but that was like the Player dream team. And then when they got moved from that label, it was like the most fortunate thing that could possibly happen to them. Because the guys that the label dissolved, they sold the stuff or, or whatever to this independent label called RSO, which at the time in the 1976, 1977 was like the biggest independent label that could possibly exist. I would only assume of them as like the Apple of indie labels or something because they had so much money. The company managed, it's called Robert Stigward Organization, and they managed the Bee Gees in the mid-70s. So that was amazing. Cream. Eric Clapton, and then the albums that they released and sold among just things were the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and the soundtrack to Grease. So they just had wow. loads of dough, right? And so they brought, they got these guys and they're like, oh, this band is probably all right. They got probably have a song. And they, of course, had Baby Come Back on this first record. So 
because they had all these people around, they put them out in like, you know, 1977 was the year that the record came out, but that song didn't go to radio till like towards the end of the year. So it built up like an absolutely incredibly amazing 1978 for player, which I wonder if is like one of the best years for a band to ever have and then turn around or, or not. Did you happen to read into that at all, Chris? Because if not, I can tell you all about it. I was kind of wondering, because I'll tell you this, when I first started digging in to like listen to more player and I use Apple Music, it comes up with like the top eight most popular songs of the band. And six of them were Baby Come Back, just like different <laughs> releases of Baby Come Back. So I, that's kind of how you really know something's a one hit wonder. <laughs> you know, like it's like when you go look for Tommy Two Tone, it's like, oh, right. that's eight different versions of 8675309, including the Christmas one. And, and so when player, so what, what's player's second biggest song? Do you even know? Well, okay. So I guess the second biggest song would have to be This Time I'm In It For Love, which is on that first mm-hmm. album. But it follows the like, one hit thunder rule that cisco had so it was like the song that came out after their huge smash so it was like riding the success of how awesome baby come back was for people to hear it more but it's one of those things like if baby come back wasn't there didn't exist would that have made up splash who knows i don't think it would have <laughs> i i listened to it and i it follows right along with that formula man that i was talking about with player earlier as all their songs do but i just didn't hear another song that had this impact and i don't know if that's because my brain is pre-programmed knowing baby come back and recognizing it and therefore associating that with being a hit song but the rest of those songs i don't know a lot of times i was frustrated i was almost frustrated when listening to them because i'm like this has all the elements of like something i should like but there's something about it that's making me not like it more and i can't really figure out what it is because i love baby comeback i think it's great well i mean it's hard because you're right because in a vacuum i think there's not another song on the album that stands out as much as that and then maybe also because we've grown up with hearing it our entire lives are already preconditioned to know that it's like the standout amongst them but I don't know, man, there's just that particular song has the right instrumentation and the right groove and the right thing. And there's other stuff on there. There's other songs I guess you can listen to, but literally nothing stands out like where you'd be like, you got to hear this to hear this thing. I mean, there's a track on there that basically sounds like Love Will Keep Us Together by the Captain and Steel. <laughs> and that was already a song that was out. So it's kind of like, I don't know, there wasn't, it just wasn't another baby come back on that. And I don't, I don't think they even have something that comes even close to matching that through the rest of the catalog. Yeah. And I mean, it's subject matter who can't relate to that at one point or another in their life. The lyrics to this song, I think, are are as hilarious as they are good. Those verses like all day long wearing a mask of false bravado. I, <laughs> that, I knew that's exactly that, the line you were going to say. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that line's completely ridiculous, but it's relatable. It's catchy as hell. It works with that giant, the giant harmonies in the chorus. Like, yeah, of course they need that for, for this style of song. When I was listening to other player songs, like you said, the one song sounded a lot like Captain and Tennille, but I heard a song that sounded like What a Fool Believes. <laughs> yeah. Really nice. like n- knocking off the melodies, knocking off the instrumentation. Uh, they definitely sometimes use those like slightly wacky synth sounds in these songs sometimes. Right. All in all, they, they, the recordings sound good. It's no, no doubt these guys are, no pun intended, they're great players for sure. <laughs> Certainly. Well, dude, so I was going to say to you before, so 1978, this is 
So the player is 1978. That song comes out at the end of 77. So the Baby Come Back is number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in January. So that's how 1978 starts off. And then taking it back to RSO, their label for a second, that was the start of, in 1978, they had nine number one songs in the calendar year for that label, which is unmatched by any label to date. So like throughout, like Whoa. it was like, songs were like on the chart for, 21 weeks as number one or whatever so they basically dominated like 40 of 52 weeks with just songs from that label of that year but however it was also the year that they released a little movie called sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band that was so <laughs> commercially and critically panned that it financially crippled that company <laughs> that was so wow so awash. that's crazy but back to players okay so they're number one in january all right and then they win Billboard's best new singles artist. Maybe that happened near the end of the year, but that was in 1978. They opened for Eric Clapton on his North American Slowhand tour, which is like Clapton's biggest, best album or whatever. So you know that means that Player was both probably performing cocaine and doing cocaine with Eric Clapton on that tour. And then nice. They did a tour with Heart, and they did a tour with, of course, my man Kenny Loggins. And it was at the end, it's October 1978. So let's think of that year, man. And then they played a show at Coconut Grove in Miami, Florida with Kenny Loggins, which I'd have to wonder, like, do you think that was the smoothest time in the location of the earth? Like on that October, yeah. October 1978, that's Kenny Loggins concert in, in Miami. But the band got into a big fight and that was the end of it. They had a huge blow up. And then instead of that just being the last show, they were like, we'll play these last couple things and then be done. That's when Peter Beckett left the band. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And so they were like, oh, man, well, what are we going to do? They had two. Their first album, Baby Come Back album. And then the follow-up album was out. And they were like, well, they didn't have a deal if they didn't have Peter Beckett. And so they tried to go on without him, and it didn't work. So they kind of split up. But then he came back and brought the other guys and then J.C. Crowley left, and that was the end of his time in the band. And then Player soldiered on from there, but could never recapture the magic, even with the original guy in the band. Damn. That was basically them. But okay, so then another fun fact I learned, as I saw, was Ron Moss, who is the bass player, and as you'd probably, I guess, agree, the hunkiest member of the band. When Player didn't perform, he went into acting, and he got a role as Ridge Forrester on The Bold and the Beautiful, and he played that character for 25 years. I like showed wow. I showed the album cover to to my wife, and I said, "Do you recognize any of these people?" And she's like, "That guy's Ridge Forrester." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, he's also the, the <laughs> she, bass player for playing." She's that big of a bold and the beautiful fan. 
I guess she watched it with her grandmother all the time. So she she, wow. she recognized him immediately. That's awesome. And uh, that was it. The band without JC and they're just sort of like in 1982, it, it fizzled in the sense of they were like, I guess we're not going to do anything here. And it sort of dis- disbanded in a way. Ron was on TV and I guess Peter joined the Little River Band and played with them for like a decade. And then it was in the like mid 90s that somebody was like, let's get these guys back together to put them on TV or do whatever. And there was like sort of a mini resurgence, but it wasn't more than just like, hey, let's see these guys play again, as most bands bands are like, you know, 10 years later. They're probably loving the emergence of the Yacht Rock terminology and the Yacht Rock stations on the radio and things like that, because it's given them a second life. Right, right. Sure. So much so that I read in 2018 that they sued each other over the rights to using the name player. <laughs> so nice. now it's like, and the judge said that, that both Peter and Ron, who are the only last two original members, they're both allowed to use the name. So, but they have to do a distinction. So now it's like, uh, it's like you go see Ron Moss's player or Peter Beckett performs player or whatever, wow. but they, they're both allowed to use the name. Going back to when this song hit, Number one, which is January 14th of 1978. I want to tell you a little bit about what that song was above in the charts, because I think you're going to be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so Baby Come Back hit number one, January 14th, 1978. Number two at that time was How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees. Oh, wow. Well, two, uh, number, th- number one and number yeah. two, both on Rod Stigwood organization. <laughs> number three was Here You Come Again by Dolly Parton. You know, Rod Stewart's at number four with You're In My Heart. Now, at number nine, this also under that Yacht Rock umbrella, I think, Come Sail Away by Styx. Of course that's under the Yacht Rock. That's, that's <laughs> as Yacht Rock as it gets. Come Sail Away. Are you kidding me? So that's <laughs> impressive. Number 10 right then is We Are The Champions. Oh, wow. What a top 10. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, Short People by Randy Newman's at number 15. Just the Way You Are, Billy Joel at 16. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees at number 17, which I'm a ima- I imagine that song was in the charts for a year or more. It's no joke who they're above on the, these charts at that time. We're talking a lot of iconic songs. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it had to be a good song for it to be able to get above those things. For sure. I mean, it's not like that was a time where they could just pay somebody off to make a garbage song, number one, especially around like Queen and stuff. Come on, Right. And this is, you know, sometimes on this show, we talk about songs and we consider them hits, but they never even hit number one. This is a real deal. Number one, this isn't stars by hum, (laughs) you know, that's like (laughs) that. It's kind of bold to even call it a hit. You know, this is a real deal hit. That part of it's pretty cool, you know, and, and going back to the, the yacht rock thing. Yeah. I think a lot of these guys are embracing it. I don't know if Michael McDonald would embrace it so much because he had such a long successful career that regardless of this terminology coming around and people referring to it as that, I think he'd have been popular no matter what. So kind of probably have different perspective on it, depending on who you are. I did happen to see the Doobie Brothers play a couple of years ago and they did that big classic concert that was at it was like at the Mets stadium and I saw the Eagles and the Doobie brothers. And it was one of those, one of those big shows and Michael McDonald was not there. So he didn't need to be at one of these gigantic shows that was happening. That was a big, big, big event. So he's probably not sweating any of that. He's, he's, he's got his own thing going on regardless of the resurgence, like you said. Right. So what would keep the Eagles from being considered yacht rock? What oh, is I it think about- that they're so I, I don't think that they're excluded from it. I mean, if you were listening to the Sirius XM station, they absolutely play, 
new kid in town and I can't tell you why. And that, that oh, yeah. not every single Eagles song, I guess, falls under the genre, but they certainly have at least five or six they, that are in the rotation when that stuff comes up. Probably all the Timothy B. Schmidt <laughs> lead vocal right. songs would, would fall under this category. Well, all I'm saying is like kind of in a way, wouldn't like the whole 70s and early 80s in one way or another be able to be put into this like like at least 50% of it? I mean, I look how deep is your love? Wouldn't that be considered? I know that like the Bee Gees fell into the disco thing, but how deep is your love is more of like a soft rock song. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, who's maybe it would that particular song could fall onto it, but I guess it would keep the Bee Gees of the disco camp. This stuff, it's all silly to talk about and there's no authority <laughs> this guy listen to wikipedia i guess they consider him an authority but there is no real authority on who is what style of music and i will say this is a, a little aside on this but in my band for the past 23 24 years i think we embraced it at first but now when people say it i'm like oh and like it pains me that people call my band pop punk. It only pains me because the term is so lame. <laughs> it only pains, <laughs> it pains me because it's like pop punk. Like I'm drinking a soda pop. Come listen to our, <laughs> come listen to like, it just people hurl that at me. Like it's like, it's normal or something, or like, it's like, it's something that doesn't sting when people <laughs> call you that. And probably 99.9% .9 of the time when someone's saying that to me, about my band, I think they're saying it from a good place. Like, hey, right. I like pop punk. I don't think that's a negative term or something. But every time I hear it, I'm like, oh. right. Well, I think I think the general person <laughs> out there doesn't understand the baggage that comes along with the term, nor the necessarily the connotation. Whenever it's it's thrown out there, like it's like they assume it's like a, a term of endearment of sorts or a way to whatever, but they don't, they don't know that it, it, it really is funny because I would much rather, and I know we're not like a political punk rock band. We're not the sex pistols. We're not whatever. I would just rather someone call us a punk band <laughs> than you know, which I know we're, we're not really, maybe our guitar tones are, you know, maybe right. because we have some fast songs, like we're in the style of punk music. I'd rather someone just call us a punk band than put that pop at the beginning. <laughs> or, you know, like there's just something about those two words, too much alliteration of P or something pop punk or something like I <laughs> I hate it so so nice. I would I would get it like if there would be artists in yacht rock who'd be like oh please don't call us that Ugh. but I don't know at the same time like here we are we're talking about player there's serious radio stations totally dedicated to yacht rock I will note that all the times we've been on tour together, Jim, and I may have mentioned this last time, that when it's time for Jim to get a shower, you hear that <laughs> yacht rock pumping out of the bathroom <laughs> every hey, time. If you want to take a shower on the road, you got like 10 minutes to relax to yourself. You want to have some music on that's going to keep you in the zone. <laughs> so when you're in the shower and that, that water's hitting you, you are just, you're on a sailboat. <laughs> I get it, man. I, I like, that's a, yeah. that's a nice thought. <laughs> um, I got. I got to uh, ask you, man. Hey, so okay, so you're talking about we're talking about player in 1978. Would you take 1978 for punchline, meaning a number one song in January, but by October there's such a blow up that it's over with? You know what, man? I hate to be so crass about it, but I really believe like give my band one hit, and the financial rewards of that, we would be able to do things 
that would afford us to just be able to write music and to be able to record that, you know, pay for studio time, build our own studio, whatever that is. I believe give me players success and you know, hey, if you're not getting along with your bandmates, there's no band out there that gets along perfectly. You know, these guys had problems. Hey, if you made the amount of money that Player probably made at this time when there was a lot of money coming in, you know, from record sales and things like that, hire a therapist if you have to. Just keep your band together. Keep making music because you have reached that pinnacle where people will pay attention, you know? And and uh, you just have to make great music. I think Player's... This is all a matter of opinion, but I think players' problem is that they didn't make that great of songs. Like, I didn't hear any other songs that, like, really appealed to me. I, they were all pretty good. That's all I can say. To answer your question, I would take it. I would take it because I believe that we could do a better job with that success than player was able to do. Right. I, and I agree. I think that if you had the success, I don't think the success would break you apart. Now, you know, like if it didn't happen by now without the success, it's not going to happen. Right. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Player, maybe player didn't have 20 some years of, uh, you know, touring and sleeping on floors and to be able to appreciate the success they had. So then it was just as easy to just let it go. You know, right. That's how I feel about that. What I think about player is, you know, like I don't have like all these years of listening to the player catalog to get attached to songs, but upon a little dive in and listen they don't have any other songs that are as good as this. All the songs sound good. The recordings are good. They're right. well done, well executed. They sound very dated. I'll say that with the exception of maybe baby come back, which even has its aspects of sounding dated. It didn't sound like they were trying to write, timeless songs as much as they were trying to write songs that sounded like what was going on in music at that time, which is an easy thing to do. I agree. I don't know. I didn't hear any songs that were as strong. They had the formula down. I think that's where they went wrong. I mean, just not keeping the band together and striving to write a song better than Baby Come Back. I think that's the problem. So if we're talking about one hit thunder versus one hit blunder, What's the deal here, man? Well, if we're only going Thunder and Blunder, I have to say it's Thunder for the song because the song is undeniably amazing and it holds up today in terms of listening to it. It still gets played. I mean, it's obviously their highest charting Spotify thing that exists and whatnot. But like, if we're looking at it in terms of like, you know, like I guess the spirit of One Hit Thunder is like, did the world miss on player? They should have had much more recognition for their other stuff. I mean, I, I can't agree with that. I mean, they had listenable music and there was great vocals we talked about. There's definitely a couple tasty riffs in some songs. But in regards to just like, if you're thinking of something that holds up forever in the terms of catalog, like, I mean, I don't know, Fleetwood Mac, how many hits does right. Fleetwood Mac have? Like a dozen, you know, or whatever, like that's 12 times the baby comebacks in this sense. Before we even say this, I have to bring in an authority on this I wanted, I was going to share is, you know, we talked about him earlier in the pod, Mr. Mr. Brian Wilson, who I think that we can all agree is a preeminent songwriter, if not one of the, one of the greatest living songwriters, we'll have to say, right? I, I would say, to, I would say top five songwriter of all time. Okay. I, I concur. Coming from a memoir that he has, I have dug through and found the passage I want to share with it. He's talking about, so the question that was asked of him was, does he listen to his own music in the car or what does he listen to when he's like out and about, right? And so he says, 
the Gershwin and the Disney are the solo records, records I listen to most in the car, which is he did an album of Gershwin songs and an album of Disney songs. So it's like Disney songs performed by Brian Wilson. He says, I don't know if it's because I don't like listening to songs I wrote or because I love the way I'm singing on those albums, but I like hearing them. I listen to the radio for other people's songs too, and every once in a while, one will pop up and catch me. Once I was driving with someone, maybe Carney, who is his daughter and is also in Wilson Phillips, yes. <laughs> of anybody who's listening, I may not realize. And Baby Comeback by Player came on the radio. It's not a band that people remember very much, but I love that song. That's how songs work for me. I don't go by a band's reputation or how many records they're selling. I listen for a kind of magic that gives energy to all people listening. I heard that energy in Michael McDonald, What a Fool Believes. And I heard it in Diana Ross and in almost every Marvin Gaye song. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the endorsement of all endorsements right there, for sure. And that does lead me to a good point that I was going to say about it is, if you heard Baby Come Back, you heard the best that player has to offer. And you don't necessarily need to dig any deeper. If you want to, you can. What what I'll say is that the rest of the catalog, what I heard, it's fine. It's good. It's not as good as Baby Comeback. So right. that that's you know, you're you had a good point about Fleetwood Mac. It's like, yeah, if you heard Dreams, yeah, that's an amazing song, but there's there's ten other songs just as amazing as that. Whereas in the player catalog, Baby Comeback is gonna be the best. I would be really, 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 really surprised if someone listens to this episode, dives into the player catalog, and is like, dude, this time A Minute for Love is a much better song. It's like, fuck you. No, it's not. (laughs) It's definitely not. (laughs) It's just a song with a very forced chorus. I noticed that this time. If you listen to the chorus, it's just like so forced. It's like this time A Minute to Win It, I think is one of the lines. Yeah. I don't know. Not as doesn't flow <laughs> I would as say well. That if you were going to listen to the player catalog, okay, uh, and I can't even say that there's not maybe one or two like, oh, well, that's kind of intriguing from beyond the years. But so the third album is called Room with a View, and it came out in 1980. And I just I wouldn't even worry because like Room with a View, which they made the title track, is one of those cringeworthy songs that I'm like, how did this come together? Like Room with a View is about how he's in this room watching somebody and they can't see that he's watching them, but like knows everything that's going on. And it's not as gross as that Benny Mardonez song, which has to have the mantle of most disgusting song. But that also came out in 1980. What was going on in 1980? You're talking about that. Are Are you talking about that? She's Uh, only 15 years old. Yeah. 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 It's it's technically it's 16, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I made it. I made it one year, uh, one year (laughs) even creepier. (laughs) The first line, of course, is she's just 16 years old. Leave, yeah, leave her alone. They say. They say. That's so, the first two lines. So is that? Oh uh, wait, we we gotta save that. We gotta do an episode about that song. It's so creepy that next time you come on, Jim, if you want to do that song, we can do that one because it's just it's just over the top. But what were you implying that player has? Yeah, player has a, a not yeah. as cringeworthy song, but a, a yeah, very room with a view is not call out the sixteen-year-old age of whoever this person's looking at, but it's still a little. I don't know, man. I just you know, I sure it was different times. It's a we peeping... weren't alive. <laughs> so we don't know it's a peeping but, tom style song is that what it is yeah. you're saying so, yep and the cover image is just binoculars on like a black <laughs> times were different man 
Porky's was out. This day, <laughs> yep. all kind of there was all kind of bad stuff going on, you know, in in music and movies, and that's but that's that's for another time. That's for a an investigation <laughs> into nice. how I mean, even up into the nineties, I'm sure even in the two thousands, they let a lot of stuff fly in music and TV and movies that shouldn't have flown. <laughs> but one thing right. that should have flown is maybe come back. That's why I'm going right. to go ahead and give it to Thunder Seal of Approval. The, the rest of the catalog is sounds great. These guys are great players. They are good songwriters and wrote an absolute jam. I'm going to give it a thunder. thunder. Thunder it is. The only other thing I was going to mention, I love Baby Come Back for one particular reason. It's I remember the moment I discovered the song to even know that it existed. And it was, as a kid, I absolutely loved The Simpsons. And there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer has to watch Maggie and she disappears and he can't find her. And he calls the, the Springfield Department of Missing Babies to find out where he can, if he can get, out, get her. And when he gets put on hold, the hold music is Baby Come Back. And it has stuck with me in my brain ever since I heard it the very first time I saw it on TV. <laughs> No, I can't take another tell. Remember when I think I know this one, but then you tell me again. You're this has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of the Geekscape Network. Underneath me, you're hearing another tale of Remember When off the Punchline album Lion, which was released three years ago this week. Visit punchline.com and buy yourself a copy. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit WeKnowPodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can help make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at OneHitThunderPodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. I'm starting to see that it's a complete other thing. What happened to brain? We used to be a team. Told myself I wouldn't ever do this again But hey, I got this outlet, so I'm playing it in I wanna feel the heat flowing from deep within me And go out to the forest, scream in the trees I need to disconnect You're listening to the Geekscape Network Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.